Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, we're going to finish out this chapter this morning as we continue through the book of Acts. Listen, my goal is to be done with the book of Acts before Christmas. We'll see. But that's my goal, okay? Um, But Acts has been so good. Every time I feel like I can go a little longer with longer passages, I'll end up wanting to break it up and want to go shorter. And so uh, a lot of people will take Acts 20 and just preach the entire chapter. I think it's taken us six sermons to get through Acts 20. Um, But I, I want us to be a church. I want us to be a people who desire to mine the riches of what God's word has for us. I want us to go deep. I want us to pick it away. I want us to see the truth of God's word. And so... Acts 20, Acts 20, we're going to begin in verse 28, okay? If you're there, say word. Word. That sounds good. Stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Acts 20, verse 28, we're going to read through the rest of Acts 20. And this is Paul. Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful that your mercy is more. God, we come this morning as sinful people. We come with brokenness and hardship and trials and suffering. We come with discouragements. We come with all these things. But God, if we look to you, we can rest in your mercy and in your grace. Because God, we have so much sin, but your mercy is more. You, if we have put our faith and trust in you, have redeemed us from that sin. You have nailed that sin to the cross. And so God, help us this morning to be encouraged and to rest in that grace and mercy. Open up our eyes to the truth of your word. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So last Sunday, Paul, we, we, we looked at Paul's example of faithfulness. He gave his example of, of how he lived and how he ministered to the people. He's here with the Ephesian elders. He's, he's on his way to Jerusalem. All right, he's bringing a gift to the church in Jerusalem that all these other churches have donated to. And he's trying to get there 
by the time of Passover. And he tells these elders that, he w- that they will not see his face again. This is a bittersweet departure. This is, this is hard. Paul's letting them, them know that in this life, you won't see me again. These Ephesians, these elders in, in Ephesus, these, these pastors and overseers, that's what elders are. They are pastors and overseers. They've looked up to Paul this whole time. Paul has been an encouragement. Paul has ministered to them. And this is very similar to the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples before he told them, I have to go. Believers, we are called to be faithful to Christ and to his mission. That was the main idea of last Sunday's message. That we are called to be faithful to Christ and to his mission. That we are called to be faithful to the people of God, faithful in the pursuit of God, and faithful in the proclamation of the word of God. And that's for all of us. That's for all believers. Paul's talking to the elders, but this is for all of us. We are called to be faithful. And Paul used his example of faithfulness to show that. He writes in Corinthians to imitate me because I imitate Christ. And so he is an example. Well, here Paul is continuing the conversation with these same elders. This is the part two of the conversation. We're back in it. And he's encouraging them to be faithful in their ministry in Ephesus. He's, he's exhorting them to a ministry of faithfulness. Charles Spurgeon You've heard me say that name a thousand times probably. I love Spurgeon. I've got his head in my office. It's a bust, all right? It's a statue, but it's in my office. I love him. I've got a bow tie with his picture on it. Not even joking, but he probably wouldn't be a fan of those things. Anyways, he's a hero of mine, all right? Well, in, in 1856, Spurgeon opened up the pastor's college in London, Okay. Spurgeon had a huge desire to train men with little academic knowledge, little academic background to preach and to pastor their congregations. And this school drew, grew tremendously because people wanted to travel all over to come and learn from Spurgeon. People had to be turned away. Spurgeon had a, a desire to help these men see the importance of preaching and pastoring. Spurgeon wanted to help them see that, 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 that they're to be faithful. He wrote a whole book on it. It's based on his lectures to his students. It's called Lectures to My Students. But in this book, it's all about preaching and pastoring and how to be faithful in their calling. In today's passage, that is Paul's desire that these Ephesian elders will be faithful to their calling. So here's the main idea I've got for you. Main idea is this, because Christ gave his life for the church, elders are to be faithful to care for the church. And again, when we're talking about elders, we're talking about pastors, overseers, preachers, they're all the same, elders. They are to be faithful to care for the church. My responsibility as your pastor is to be faithful to care for this church. That is my responsibility. Why? Because Christ gave his life for the church. And so I've got, I think, like 10 points for you. But I got like, there's like two points and then like several sub points. So point number one, point one, elders are to be faithful to care for themselves. 
They're to be faithful to care for themselves. Pay, uh, verse, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves. First thing Paul tells them, pay careful attention to yourselves. There is a sense in which pastors and elders cannot faithfully care for their people if they're not caring for themselves. I cannot efficiently care for you if I'm not caring for myself. And what does that mean, caring for myself? Here's a sub point. Faithful to care for myself spiritually. Spiritually, I need to be, elders and pastors need to be caring for themselves. They are to be diligent in their pursuit of Christ in their own lives. A lot of, a lot of what we are bringing to the pulpit on Sunday mornings are to be an outpouring of what we're gaining throughout the week. You come Sunday mornings empty. Elders who are preaching come Sunday mornings full to empty out to fill you up. And then that's why Mondays, man, Mondays are the day that pastors resign. It's because they're tired. Mondays are hard. They're weak. They're at their lowest. You can ask my wife. Mondays, I just, some, some Mondays, I just want to sleep because preaching, it, honestly, y'all think it's weird. 45 minutes of preaching, it actually takes a lot out of you. You empty out. But in order for me to empty out on you, I and elders and all pastors must be diligent in their pursuit of Christ in their own lives. They are to treasure Jesus more than life itself. Because how how am I to encourage you to treasure Jesus more than life itself if I'm not? Spiritually, elders are to live a life of repentance in which they are killing sin daily as they treasure Christ daily. Elders and pastors are to live as an example. And in order to do that, they need to care for themselves spiritually. Not only are they to care for themselves spiritually, they're to care for themselves physically. Physically. They need rest. They need exercise. They need to get away at times. They need time to actually be with their family. They need time to actually focus on other things. Because if it's, if it's 24 seven on, on ministry, you're going to go crazy. I've seen it. Elders go crazy. <laughs> Which is why when we vacation, when my wife and I take our kids, or if it's just my wife and I, my phone's typically off and it's in the room. It's hard to it, it, it's, it's hard to get me while on vacation. Why? Because I need my rest. Elders need their rest. Why? If you want me to faithfully and efficiently care for this church, we need rest too. We need rest too. My family needs rest. If we're not caring for ourselves physically, we will do ourselves harm. We need, we need to care for our bodies. We need to be careful what we put into our bodies. Elders, why? Because the stress and the toll of ministry can be so tiresome. And it can make a guy go crazy. And that leads me to the third one, mentally. Mentally, they need to take care of themselves. That might involve having to go talk to another 
pastor, elder. That might involve having to go sit with somebody. I'm thankful for the friends that I've got that where I can gain some mental clarity with, with different things. The past 18 months, there's been nothing but having to gain mental clarity of how to pastor in this area. And so we need that. Elders need that. And guys, a lot of times it can't be people in the church. It has to be other guys outside the church so that we can talk and be open. Elders are to be faithful to care for themselves. And that's what Paul's telling them. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Point two. And we're going to focus most of our attention on this point here. Point two. Elders are to be faithful to care for the flock. The flock, the church, the congregation. Verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. First Peter 5, 2, 2 and 3, Peter says this, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. We are called to be faithful to the church. To care for you. There are many ways that this looks like. A lot of times, members think pastoral care is just a bunch of visitation. No. There's so much more to it than that. So here's the first one. First sub point. And I do have these on the computer. Faithful to care for the flock because it's God's flock. It's God's flock. Church, this is not my church. This is not Jesse Herring's church. This is not Gary Baker's church who served here for 16 and a half years. This is not any former pastor's church. Church, this isn't your church. I don't care how long you've served. I don't care how long you've been here. I don't care how much money you put into it. It's not your church. It's God's church. It's His church. And we are called to faithfully care for it because of that. And we see it in verse 28 where Paul tells us, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Holy Spirit's called elders to serve the church. And to care for the church of what? God. Not your church. Care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I love how he's bringing a Trinitarian focus here. Do you see it? There's a Trinitarian focus here. First, it's the Holy Spirit who has called men to be elders and pastors. It's the Holy Spirit who, who, who calls people and transforms people. To be saved. It's the Holy Spirit's work. It's the Father who draws it. He does the drawing. John 6, no one can come to the Father. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And it's the Son who pays the penalty. He obtains it by his blood. There's the Trinitarian focus. And because we see this Trinitarian focus... The Spirit's work and calling, the Father's establishing, the Son's redeeming. This is God's church. He purchased it. It's His people. 
It's not my people. And this is why pastors and elders are going to be judged differently. We're very careful, my wife and I are very careful of who we put our children in the care of. We don't just hire some stranger that we've never met, never done a background check. I don't even think we'd even do that. We want to put people we know, family members, really close friends. Why? Because if something goes wrong, we're going to have something to say. God has put his people under the care of an elder or elders, plural. God has put his people under the care of them. We're going to be held accountable differently because we're caring for God's people. Elders are called to be faithful to care for for the flock because it is God's flock. And because it is his church, because it is his congregation, Understand this, that it belongs to him and it's even under his sovereign care. God has the final say. And understand that that might even be shutting the doors of a church. He has the final say. He does. Not only are our elders faithful to care for the flock because as God's flock, secondly, they're faithful, they're to be faithful to care for the flock by guarding against outside threats. Outside threats. Verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. There are outside threats that are trying to get in and to stir the church and to persuade the church to go a different direction. Matthew 7, 7 15. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They seek to devour and destroy. They want to change our thinking and our beliefs of God's word. They want to change our beliefs that God's word isn't sufficient or inerrant or authoritative. They want us to believe that. There are false prophets that believe, false teachers that believe that salvation isn't by grace alone through faith alone, but that it requires works. There are false teachers that that deny that Jesus is the only way to salvation. I went, I went to a Christian, Christian college who denied that. Jesus is not the only way to salvation. There are false teachers that deny the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. There are false teachers that approve of sin and disapprove of holiness. And church, it is the responsibility of the elders of the church to protect those false teachings from creeping into the church. And let me tell you, some of these guys that teach those things, they make it sound like they're right. They have good arguments. They're liars. They're wrong. But these wolves are only here to devour and to destroy. And elders are called to guard from outside threats. I don't know about you, but at our house, we lock our doors. I know some people in my neighborhood, and I don't want them walking in. For the safety of my family and the safety of my kids. I'm careful with who comes into my home. 
And not only that, I'm careful what comes into my home. Fathers, husbands, men, you should be too. Not only are they to be faithful to care for the flock by guarding against outside threats, but also by guarding against inside heresy. There's another one. Verse 30. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Even from inside the church. Paul is saying there's going to be men who are going to rise up and are going to say some twisted and perverted things that are going to try to persuade you to go differently. Guard against that. Guard against those things. This is why sometimes whenever somebody brings a Bible study towards me, like, hey, I want to teach this, and I might say no, this is why. Because some of the things that teacher or preacher has said in the past is heresy. And understand, heresy is a hard word. Heresy means it's anti-gospel. Heresy means it's flat out wrong. Not, not just in error. We can be, we can disagree on different things. We can disagree on the end times and the millennial reign. We can disagree on, 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 on the, on translations of scripture. Those are things we can disagree on. But heresy are things we cannot disagree on. The things we cannot disagree on involve the virgin birth, the Trinity, involve the inerrancy and authority of scripture. These are things we cannot disagree on. And we are called to guard against those things from coming inside the church. And understand, Paul said these things here. They ended up coming to pass. Check it out. 1 Timothy 1.3, Paul tells Timothy, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Don't teach anything differently. And again, he, he says in 1 Timothy 1, 19 and 20, he says, by rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom he even names names, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. There are people that rose up in the church of Ephesus and tried to sway them differently. It ended up happening. You want to know how else we can see it? The book of Revelation. The letter to the church at Ephesus. John, or It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toll, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, what does he say? I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You want to know who shuts the doors of churches? It's not the people. It's not the pastor. God does. When they don't repent, when they continue spewing heresy, when they teach the wrong things, God will make sure that that church is done away with. May we not be that church. 
The goal of both of these groups of false teachers from inside the church and outside the church is to draw people away from the church and from the teaching of Christ. These fierce wolves from outside the church seek to devour and, and destroy, and the ones from inside the church are perverting the teachings of Paul, Timothy, and other faithful elders who have brought these teachings to them. Church, this is why sometimes pastors and, 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 and elders need to be bold and need to tell you straight up that this is wrong. You need to stay away from it. You might not like it. You might get mad at me. But I'm trying to make sure you stay on the straight and, and narrow with the doctrine that God has given us through the inerrant word of God and that you don't sway to anything else that is false or heretical. And there are other people in the, in the church that are going to hold us accountable to that. We are to guard against heresy. Not only that, next one, elders are to be faithful to care for the flock by leading with compassion. They're to lead with compassion. Verse 31, Paul says, therefore, because of all these things, because wolves are, are going to creep in, because men are going to rise up and, and draw people away, be alert. Be alert. What does he say? Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Paul had a compassionate care for his church. It wasn't, it wasn't a type of care in which he was domineering and he had this idea that he wanted it to be. It was a compassionate care in which he wanted you to be led to Jesus Christ. And to be shown the truth of what the word says. To be shown the truth of who Jesus is. He led with compassion. He wasn't abusive. There have been abusive pastors and elders who will use their authority to coerce people into doing things their way. And that's not how we're called to lead. We are called to lead with compassion. He even tells Timothy, he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 to even preach with patience. We're to be compassionate, to care for you, not to run you over like a bus, but to actually show you God's word and show you the truth. Not only are we our elders to lead with compassion, they're also to be faithful to, to care for the flock by leaning on God's ability. Check out what Paul says in verse 31. I'm sorry, verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He commends them to God. Why? He doesn't commend them to their own strength to their own ability, to their own wisdom and knowledge. He doesn't commend them to their own skill. He commends them to God. Why? Because it is only through the ability of God that a church can grow. It is only through God's strength and power that people can come to know who Jesus Christ is. And, and, and I'll be honest to, to, to say we've witnessed it here at Red Cross. We have, we have grown within the past several years. We've seen a going from no children to children, no youth to youth. Even in the midst of a pandemic, we've had, we've had over what, 12 baptisms in the past year? We've had, we've had 40 new members in the past year? Like we've, we've seen God work within a church. And it's not because of me. 
I am incapable of leading. I am in, inadequate in leading. I am weak as a man of God. I am weak as a pastor. I am growing and learning. But we lean on God through this. We lean on His ability to do these things. It's because God can do these things that we lean on Him. And elders can only, lean through, can only lead through that, guys. Whether it's me over the next several years, 30 years, who knows, or whether God takes me away next year and you have a new guy come in, your pastor needs to be one who does not lean on his strength or his ability, but on God's. That's where arrogance comes in. We can't do this on our own. We do it through God's strength and wisdom. And two, Paul tells them to make God's word central. That we are to be faithful to care for the flock by making God's word central. Verse 32, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Before COVID, we had 85 to 90 people attending worship. That was our weekly average. After COVID, or during COVID, we've seen as many as 120 to 130 attending worship. Other churches cannot say that. I've had other pastors reach out and ask, what are we doing different? And I told them, we're not doing anything different. We're making the Word of God central. Because that's what people need, that's what people want. They want to hear what the Word says. They don't want to hear five tips to a happy marriage. They don't want to hear how to be successful at their, at, at, at their jobs, even though sometimes we do need to hear that. They want to hear what the Word says. When we make the Word of God central, we do so because, verse 32... It's able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It is through the word that we get the gospel. It is through the word that we come to know the truth of who Jesus is. It is through the word that we are encouraged and equipped. It is through the word that we are reminded of God's promises. It is through the word that we know, that we know, that we know Jesus is Lord and Savior and King and Ruler and Sustainer and Redeemer and is ruling over all the cosmos. He's King. And that's where our rest lies. Elders must make the Word of God central. And lastly, pastors and elders are to be faithful to care for the flock by giving more than receiving. Giving more than receiving. Look at verse 33. Paul says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul is not saying, hear me say this, Paul is not saying Elders, you should not work for a paycheck. It's not what he's saying. There are many other scriptures where Paul says that elders must receive what they're due, that churches should cover for pastors. Okay, So I'm not trying to work myself out of being paid here. 
What Paul is saying, though, Paul is saying that his ministry was not for a shameful gain, that he did not lead and serve so that he may be made much of, so that he may receive much of. First Timothy five two. I shared it. I shared it earlier. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Paul sitting here saying, I didn't want silver and gold or apparel. I didn't, I didn't do this because I wanted money and things. There are some men that do. They do ministry because they feel like they can coerce people to pay them a pretty penny and they can have a lot of things and a lot of money and private jets. But church, Paul says we are not to do this for shameful gain. We are to be more about giving than receiving. What's Paul telling them? We, we do this to give all of ourselves to the ministry. Pastors and elders are called to give their lives to the church because Christ gave his life for the church. They are to give their everything. And you can ask my wife, there are, there are, there are days, there are weeks I don't even get a day off because I'm giving a lot, you know? And I, I'm, I, I'm saying that because this is, this is our desire. This is an elder, a pastor's desires to give their life to the ministry that God has called them to. Because there's, no, there, there's nothing else we want to do. If you're in ministry, you do not have a desire to do any, anything else. Because if you did, you'd do it. I don't have a desire to do any, anything else. Except maybe open up a food truck one day. But I don't. I have a great idea for a hot dog food truck. Nobody take it. But I don't want to do anything else. We don't, we don't get a lot. Pastors and elders don't do ministry to receive a lot. Why? Because we receive more blessing by giving. We receive more blessing by giving you the truth of the Word of God, by giving you care, by giving you love, by giving compassion, by leading you, by seeing God working in your life and in your marriage and in your family, by seeing God transform the lives of, of your family member who's been lost for decades. It's more blessed for us to give than to receive, and that's how elders should lead in a way in which they give more than they receive. In conclusion, I know this was a, I told my wife this morning, I was like, this is going to be a long sermon. She's like, great. In conclusion, Paul has made such an impact on these elders. He has made such an impact on this church that when we read verses 36 to 38, they're weeping with him. It is a beautiful, a beautiful passage. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him. Being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken. That they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. I've had friends in ministry who have moved far away to do ministry states away. And the last day of hanging out, it's a bittersweet moment. You're almost in tears because, you know, that companionship, 
You know, they're not there. I mean, you can still reach them on Facebook. That's not the same. But they're just, just seeing them leave is, is difficult. It is. But what these men are seeing is that they're, they're not going to see Paul again in this life. That's hard. Paul had made such an impact on these elders and, all this, and on this church that they are weeping. And in verse 38, they loved him so much that they even accompanied him to the ship. What, a, what an example of someone who has cared for the church and for the leadership. It's hard to see them leave. And I pray that we raise up men who can set that type of example. I pray that Red Cross can raise up men to set that type of example. To where they're faithful to the very end. And they've made such an impact that it hurts. And it, 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 it shakes us. When Spurgeon died, it shook people. When Charles Spurgeon died, it shook me and I wasn't even born yet. When he died, this is from Christianity Today, I pulled this paragraph from one of the articles there. When Charles Spurgeon died in January of 1892, London went into mourning. Nearly 60,000 people, 60,000 people came to pay homage during the three days his body lay in state at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in which he preached at. And then some 100,000 lined the streets as a funeral parade two miles long followed his hearse from the tabernacle to the cemetery. Even flags flew at half-staff and shops and pubs were closed to honor the death of Charles Spurgeon. That's amazing. The impact that Spurgeon had, the impact that he had on an area as he pastored and preached and raised men to do the same. Church, pray for your leadership. Pray for me. Pray for Letta. Ministry is hard. It's hard. Restless nights, crying with people on the phone who are suffering, holding hands with people who are dying, walking people to the pearly gates. It is hard. Dealing with criticisms, dealing with even anxiety, dealing with cultural issues. Being a pastor is difficult. It's not the hardest job in the in 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 the world. I'm not trying to like, oh, woe is me. But pray for your leadership. They need it. We need it. Pray as we lead and pastor. Pray as we seek to be faithful. Leto was telling me the week that he was being ordained, there was just nothing but um, trials and almost like bad omens, right? One morning you had a flat tire. It's already a bad day. Your first day in the office, it was a snake greeting you in your, in, in your office. Like, and then snapped at you a lot. I mean, it was, you just felt like it was bad. Understand that in ministry... We deal with spiritual warfare. And in ministry, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I believe those in ministry deal with spiritual warfare on a higher level. Because the enemy knows if they can cause the pastor to fall, if they can cause the pastor to not be faithful, it'll hurt the church. 
and sometimes even break it. Pray for your leadership. Pray for us as we seek to be faithful, just as Paul is exhorting those elders to be faithful. In church, believers, we are all called to be faithful to Christ and to His mission. He died for us. He purchased us. He obtained this church. We must live like that. This is His church, and may it ever be. Let's pray. Father God, You are so good and gracious and merciful. God, I pray that You would help us as we seek to lead in this church. Help us to be faithful. Help us to treasure You daily more than life itself. Help us to lean on You daily because we are inadequate to do this alone. Help us, Lord, as we seek to be faithful to your word and to what it says. May we be a church that is centered on your word, a church that leans on you, a church that raises men to be elders and pastors, to preach, to even be sent out and to to plant a church or preach at other churches. Help us to have that desire, God. I pray that you would use us. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.